Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. It's been a while since we've done one of these. It's a former player interview, and today I'm delighted to be joined by former Aberdeen midfielder Nicky Lowe. Nicky Lowe came through the Aberdeen Academy before being a successful part of our League Cup winning team in 2014. In the episode today, we talk about moving from Greenock and, and coming up to Aberdeen as a youngster and what it was like coming through the academy, limited first team opportunities and how he dealt with that as a youngster. And of course, we go in depth on that League Cup success. We then later on in the show chat about Nicky's departure of Aberdeen, dealing with injuries and what his thoughts are on the current campaign that he is part of at our growth. I hope you enjoy the episode and of course if you are watching on YouTube remember to hit that like button and leave us a comment down below with any thoughts that you have on the episode. Nikki, welcome to Red Tinted Glasses, it's a pleasure to get you on. Thanks for having me on, I appreciate it. Yeah, how are you doing in these strange times? Glad football's back now. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted football's back. Obviously before I started I was at East Dillon in the Lone League so mm-hmm. I was suspended for a while and Obviously, Saturday's football day, but I had a lot of Saturday with the missus and stuff, which wasn't my usual Saturday. And, and at least you can get out of the house and get a bit of freedom now. And obviously, you're at our growth now and going well so far this season, which we'll, we'll come on to later on in the episode. What I want to do at the start is kind of go back to, you grew up in Greenock, is that right? Yeah. What, what was that like growing up there and your football upbringing uh, in Greenock? Where I'm from. Is a place called Gibbs Hill. It's obviously it's like in a tough area. So I seen a lot of hangs and stuff when I was younger. Eh? Which kind of my mum was always delighted for me when I was going up a bit and playing football and had a chance to go to Aberdeen because most of my mates obviously went to jail and stuff or whatever. They're up the rails now. Yeah, that kind of saved me as well. So it was a blessing in disguise. But I wouldn't I wouldn't change it. You know, it's where I'm from and eh, I'm proud of it and I'm glad I've managed to have a decent career from where I'm from. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's made you the person you are, but what was that like when you were growing up in Greenock and, and how did that interest from Aberdeen initially come about? Were there other clubs scouting you at the time? Yeah, I was playing locally for my boys club. They were called East End United and uh, I used to be a striker back then and I was scoring mm-hmm. a lot of goals uh, and had a few teams interested. I was actually... John Ward was a head scout at Aberdeen okay. the Glasgow based area so that's how it came about he went up to my granda after one of the games and said would uh, it be alright if came to Aberdeen would you be happy for that and he was delighted so I went up had a look about a place at Hamilton Palace at the time we trained mm. I did the only games and stuff and I signed so I signed really young but once I had signed with Aberdeen stuff I grew up a Celtic fan in Morton's mm. and Celtic wanted me as well uh, so it was one of the ones Oh, what did I do? But mm-hmm. after me and my granda said, listen, if you stay with Aberdeen and if you go and progress and make it full time, you've got more chance of getting really good first team games there because mm-hmm. they'll take Rangers and stuff. They can go and buy players, whereas Aberdeen's not got as much money. Mm-hmm. So no, I wouldn't change anything uh, come through Aberdeen. I love my time there, you know, so that's how it came about. Was, was it a tough decision for you to, to leave like home? Because obviously you'd be going up yourself. Did your granda stay, stay back in Greenwich? Yeah, my granddad knows that my mum and stuff stayed back. Uh, I love my mum and stuff, but my granddad always, he was the one that took me in my football. Mm. Uh, but when I was, I probably didn't kick in. I remember they had elite, I was only about 15, about to 16 when I went full time at Aberdeen. And it didn't really sink in. I was actually moving away until maybe about two weeks before. And I had a wee, not party such, but a few <laughs> around the house to say bye. 
and that's when I got a bit emotional and stuff. But I started when I went to Aberdeen. I was loved it, but I was really homesick and I nearly chucked it. Uh, and Peter Weir actually came in as head of youth in Glasgow based, and he's the one who got me full time and stuck by me because I had a few problems at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he helped me, and I was I said, listen, Peter, I'm just going to wrap football and just go back home. And thankfully, he spoke with me and my mum and stuff, and I lasted it out, and I felt think I went and done quite well, you know, when I played. Yeah, and what what was that like? Did you live in Diggs when you moved up to Aberdeen? Yeah, I moved up to Diggs up at Union Grove, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm called Ian Mayer, I think it's Lee Mayer's, is it Annie? I think okay. it was. Yeah. Uh, I still keep in contact with Ian and stuff, and our daughter Louise uh, lived there. I still mm-hmm. keep in contact now, and uh, I go and see them and stuff in Aberdeen. They're such amazing people. So when I first went up, I moved, it was me and Michael Payton uh, sharing, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, boys well. Then obviously, from there on, I went, I stayed with Stephen O'Donnell, Carl McRobbie, Dean Jarvis, who was on the youth team at the time. Mm-hmm before moving into a flat with big Joe Shortensey. Nah, and you two probably had some great nights in there, you and Joe. Loved that yeah. night out, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it, we could see on camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. And uh, what was that like then, you know, coming through the academy and, and the coaching? Was it was it as hard as you expected coming to Aberdeen? No, to be honest, I thought, coaching was hard and stuff, uh, but I thought it would be harder. Mm. Uh, but I, even when I grew up in the first team and stuff, it wasn't ever, only pre-season was solid. Yeah. But when I, I always thought like the training and stuff would be really, really hard. Uh, but it wasn't. It just kind of, it was tough enough and you put, you got out of it what you put in. But mm-hmm. I thought it would be tougher, you know, but I think that's, that's not the way things are anymore. Yeah. And you said you, were you signed as a striker by Aberdeen? So what caused you to move or who like prompted your move into midfield? When I, I think I was still playing up front for Aberdeen at under-17s. Uh, then I think it was Neil Cooper, uh, my youth team coach, who was broke. Uh, he moved me because I wasn't like physically, obviously, very tall. He's like, there's a lot of long balls in Scottish football. He's like, it's not going to shoot. Because obviously I had technical ability. So he said, we'll move you left mid. <clears throat> After a few months, I did well there. But he said, no, with your range of passing and stuff, we'll put you centre mid because mm-hmm. you've not where you can get by someone so I'm happy with that and he tried me said I'm mid I think first couple of games I scored a few goals did really well and never looked back yeah, it worked out for you pretty well so was it was it Neil that made you captain of the 19s and 20s then? yeah he made me captain uh, I think actually to be honest Ryan Jack was getting going to be captain mm-hmm. but he also ran about the first team uh, quite a lot so he said we may as well make you a captain uh, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people said it was kind of between you and Ryan Jack coming through at that time for that competition in the in the first team. Did you did you feel like that at the time? Probably not, because Ryan at the time was always with the first team and I wasn't. So mm. I didn't really see that as a case. But once you get into the first team and you're in about it and you think your competition is Ryan, it was Willow Flood, Barry Robson stuff, which for me, I, I felt should have, I was in, I was always in chapman uh, Derek's door saying I feel I should be playing yeah. and he was another experienced pros ahead of you and they're doing well so you need to be patient that's why I think at the time Aberdeen we were doing really well and mm-hmm. the we were doing well you know I think maybe beforehand before Del came in I was, I was a bit more experienced I was still young under Craig Brown and stuff mm-hmm. but then, we weren't a good side in my opinion back then yeah. I played well more and he always said you'd play more and it was really frustrating enough you know but 
obviously when Derek came in and they signed Willow and Barry and stuff, I knew it was going to be even harder to get any team. Yeah, I think that's it's something kind of when we spoke to Cammy Smith, he kind of shared the same sort of thing about under Craig Brown, hoping that he was going to get more minutes, but it never really came came to fruition. During your time with the academy, obviously you've mentioned there like Stephen O'Donnell, um, who's who's now at Motherwell, Michael Payton. Was there other guys that came through with you that that never made it at Aberdeen? Yeah, I try to think. There's a few who, like maybe not made it at Aberdeen, like but Gully Soros and stuff who mm. have they made like a handful of appearances, maybe. Yeah. But they were really good players who were in different class attitude. Uh, the Faroese boys you'd mm-hmm. come in at 8 o'clock if you were early and stuff they were already in the gym <laughs> basically well better than everybody you know and mm-hmm. I thought especially with Gilly Sorensen's abilities went and had a good career abroad now but mm-hmm. I thought he was well bigger than everyone well stronger at the time I thought how could he not get a chance in the first team but I think his problem was it wasn't consistent enough in a youth team it'd be mm-hmm. brilliant one then he'd be missing for 4 or 5 so yeah okay yeah from, you know, but there's lots of good players, obviously. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's plenty who you go on and do well and haven't. Mm-hmm. You, made, you made your first team debut in 2010 against Hearts. Do you remember much about that? Yes, I remember. I think I've told this story a few times, but <laughs> obviously, a sub, you've got the big jackets. And I was going to warm up, obviously, going by the dug out and find that there was a guy in that camouflage jacket, a big baldy guy, and he's shouting, uh, get a jacket fix sure you little midget so when I'm back saying shut up and he's trying to get down to me so I was like I was sprinting up to warm up again obviously the game was 3-0 when you're coming on it's just obviously you're buzzing uh, you make your debut yeah and unfortunately for one reason or another you didn't get much more first team experience off of the back of that and you ended up going on loan to, to Forfer um, was that a decision that you kind of pushed for going out and getting some first team action yeah because I thought at that time I'd done everything in the youth team I thought like I've been doing really well performing every week for a few years now then I thought I'm ready to play first team at some sort of level so it came about obviously Dick Campbell's mates with Craig Brown and Archie Knox. Mm-hmm. So I said, can I go on loan? And they said, listen, fourth row, take you. And I said, I was happy to go. And I went and I did really well there. Uh, so I think Craig Brown said, I want you back and stuff at the end of the season. I'm sure it was. Mm-hmm. Then he said, you're playing more. And then I think I made a couple of appearances off the bench. I mm-hmm. did well when I was hit. Yeah. And I was saying, that wasn't for me. I don't want to just sit about here and do this. I need to be playing. Because after getting a season like first team, I want to keep playing first team. You don't want to go back sitting on a bench and stuff. Mm. So it wasn't letting me go in loan and I think he let me go for a short period after that. Was it Aloha maybe? Yeah, it was Aloha, yeah. Because you you said it was a successful period for you at Forfair. You won the Supporters Player of the Year and you, the Young Sky Blue Player of the Year as well. So not only were you obviously recognised by probably the players, but the fans obviously pretty much warm to you as well. And I think it's fair to say in your time at Aberdeen, you're always a popular player amongst the support even though you didn't get as many minutes as you'd have maybe liked during your time? Yeah, I think even now on Twitter and stuff, I'll have them up visiting the city and stuff the weekend mm-hmm. away. Fans come up and stuff and always talk highly of me. But I think I'm one of the players who I think the fans know I give my all and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, all the games that I played for Aberdeen, I don't think I ever had a bad game. Uh, I can remember, but I always feel... <laughs> Folk might be quick to tell you on Twitter after this goes out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They'll maybe say that game, this game. But uh, I always felt 
if I did well enough and I thought right maybe now I'll get a win on a games to prove uh, myself and the team mm-hmm. but it whatever happened that way you know yeah and for you as a, as a player what was the biggest difference when Derek McInnes came into the into the side of like the team obviously managing from Craig Brown did you feel that you were going to get more of an opportunity and it just so happened that like you touched on there that he brought an experience and that kind of pushed you down the, the pecking order with, with all due respect yeah spot on when he came in actually I remember I think somebody said one of the coaching staff you know you're going to be buzzing me man the guy for loves you because mm. I was saying how but I remember I used to come watch what is it Johnston and I was a captain of the youth team and we used to have Johnston all the time and it also would be I always played well and I was <laughs> a back end so I think he always kind of he liked that mm-hmm. so then you'll be going nowhere uh, and I'll give you a chance and stuff but obviously as you said we signed a lot of good good players I thought in my opinion Barry, as I said Barry Robson and Ryan Jack was there Willow Flood mm-hmm. Peter Paul Jimmy Smith stuff higher up pitch but so it was just frustrating I never got out on a game you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely but it was a season where you probably played your most for Aberdeen that um 13-14 season I've got you down as 12 league appearances and, and four in the, the league cup winning uh, campaign but that was also the season you scored your, your first goal for the club the free kick against Ross County in the 1-0 win that must have been a really good moment not only scoring your first goal but it being the winner as well Yeah I made it extra special obviously scoring your first uh, goal for Aberdeen as you come through academy is something you always want to do uh, being in a winning goal also made it a bit sweeter but it was what a feeling but I remember big, I think I ran, was it to, I ran to Josh McGuinness maybe the bench because I think mm-hmm. he said before you're going to score the winner and it's mm-hmm. like I said come over to the bench and I did you know but it's just one of the things uh, I was buzzing with and the three points was obviously on that day was the most important thing Had you been practising your free kicks in the week leading up? <sighs> that long I can't remember but I did <laughs> just, I did just to try and practise free kicks and penalties and stuff mm-hmm. uh, obviously I took a lot of set plays so you obviously need to be decent at them yeah, be often. What was uh, what was Josh McGinnis like around the dressing room? I'm sure he was one of the bigger characters. Yeah, he's a man. Everybody knows that. Uh, but he was a very good lad, to be honest. But very hyper, especially in the morning times. And you're just like you're begging into training. You're like a chill for half an hour. Get a cup of tea, whatever. And he'd just be dancing about and stuff, singing. You're like, geez, oh Josh, it's too early in the morning for this. <laughs> As I said, that you were part of the the league cup winning campaign you played in all but one of the games during that campaign so I want to kind of go through that campaign with you and and see how you felt um it went really because that Alloa game was the first first game a very nervy night went to penalties and you took the second penalty that night did you volunteer to take a penalty or was it just you were asked by the manager yeah, it was an every night but I, I remember not many people hang, I've said this I don't think I've read since then uh, Derek said it'll be a horrible horrible game it'll be a tight game mm. the he's off uh, he called us he's like maybe go to penalties uh, and it did he's like but he did say he's like once we win this game and if we go and win a cup nobody will talk about Arlo the first game they'll forget about that a <laughs> big crowd in the final which it worked out that way you know mm-hmm. but it uh, uh, yes, I volunteered, but I think Dale come up and say to me, "Listen, you'll be taking a penalty," and he's just gonna ask what, num- what number I want to take because I think he knows I like taking penalties because it's a mm. great chance to score. Obviously, all the time you're going to miss a penalty, but no, it was a it was a rubbish game to be honest, and no one in the fan <laughs> laughed, uh, but I managed to get through it 
in the end. And and what was it about wanting to be second? Because you, um, you took second in, in the final, which we'll, we'll come up to, but is there a reason that you like going second in penalty shootouts? Well, I always think I'm a decent penalty taker, so I, I'm of opinion you should, your, your best penalty taker should be up in the first kind of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can put pressure on your opponents mm-hmm. as they're worst to the front and they miss. You might, your best might not get to take a chance towards the end, you know. So True. for me, I can volunteer to be one of the first ones. No, definitely. And then we got drawn away to Falkirk in the next round and it was probably, for me, one of the most enjoyable games um, of that campaign. It was a 5-0 win. And some of the football we played that night was unbelievable, free-flowing, passing football. Obviously, Calvin picked up a booking early on and had to get taken off, but Scotty Vernon picking up a hat-trick as well that night. It just seemed to be almost the perfect performance in what was a potential tricky tr- tr- tricky tie. Yeah, it's boring. They put, and remember, if I'm, remember right, they put the game on BBC because mm-hmm. Falkirk were flying at the time. And so when they put it on TV, that only means like a few weeks ago, obviously, Rafe beat Aberdeen. They think, oh, yeah. this is get potential to be a wee tricky upset here. So we knew that. But to be fair to Dell, he gave all young boys, I think a lot of young boys play that night mm-hmm. at the time. Maybe Ryan Jack, Joe Shorten said, Cammy Smith, I think, yeah. uh, Peter Paul. Uh, and we absolutely hammered him. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoyable game for me in an Aberdeen shirt because I started. And yeah. looking back, I remember after the game, I was raging, go walking into the gym, and Derek McInnes is saying, What's up? I missed about four sitters, and usually my finish <laughs> good and stuff. Uh, and I was raging. He's like, Shut up, just getting a change in him. Uh, <laughs> I had played, played really well, but obviously, I had a chance to score a few goals. So I was gutted. Mm-hmm. But Big came on and scored a hat trick and stuff. And, it was a great team performance because Falkirk were flying at the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, no, and that was, it set us on our way. Yeah, and, and that put, set us up with a, a quarter-final against, against Motherwell. You didn't play that night. Were you, were you out injured for that? or? Oh, I was just left out of the squad and I was raging. Uh, <laughs> I got there. Uh, but I'd played a part the first couple of games. I thought, oh, I'll maybe be involved again. But listen, the main thing is not Nicky Lowe. It was about the team. And mm-hmm. thankfully, Big Joe didn't help getting sent off. No. And I think we bought in Shea because uh, he was suspended for the semis. But mm. I think it was a big Andy that scored a great header for yeah. Johnny's piece. Uh, so thankfully we won that. But I was raging about uh, being left out. But the main thing was getting into the semi final, which we did. And how much did you wind Joe up that night when he got sent off? <laughs> to be fair, you can tell it wasn't happy. Tell, I think it was good to think he knew that was him going to be out of the team for a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't really so when I want to keep your head up and stuff you know what I mean yeah I just suppose like when, when stuff like that happens it's more about rallying around him than than taking the mick out of him to an extent oh, exactly if it's close and ongoing stuff and you win you can maybe say what's that all about and stuff but mm. that was down you know what I mean but we just rallied around him and he bounced back from it you know yeah and, and that obviously set up a semi-final that was being played at a neutral venue which was Tynecastle and for me probably one of the best atmospheres I've witnessed at a domestic Aberdeen game in a long time you know the three stands at, at Tynecastle at, at 4-0 up you get brought on in the 87th minute were you, were you happy to, to get on the pitch at that point or were you, would you have been quite content just to sit and relax and watch the rest of the atmosphere I was buzzing to get on because yeah, I remember the atmosphere that day was time cast was amazing for atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So winning a few goals up, it was rocking. And it just one of the ones I kept warming up, looking at the bench, saying, Give me a shout, come on, get <laughs> me on balls, you know what I mean? Uh, but that, that day was amazing. Uh, it was a tight game to be fair at the start, and I think mm-hmm. Jamie Lang 
made a world class save. Uh, I think was it one 0 two 0 I think it was a one 0 one 0 so that could change the game. But ah, I'm just feeling when I was sitting on the bench that day, it was rocking. Yeah. Uh, so then once we won that, I just all the boys were saying the final here is going to be madness. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll bring up massive support, and it worked out that way. Uh, how many? Uh, how busy was your phone at full time then for ticket requests? <laughs> So many people, people I didn't know supported Aberdeen were saying, oh, mm-hmm. my granddad lives in Aberdeen and I'm going to do the game. But obviously you can only get so many tickets. Uh, I think I ended up got maybe 25, 30 tickets. Obviously you had to buy them stuff, but mm. I got a few. So I had a big support up that day supporting me. Yeah, so was that nice for you to get to the final, obviously, and get all your friends and family along to support you as well? Yeah, it made everyone worthwhile. All your travelling is... Uh, the main thing for me is my granddad was there hmm. in Manchester scoring a penalty. That's everything he wanted to me lift a domestic trophy, score a goal in the SPL and stuff and make my debut and I don't know that. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully he was there to witness all that was a proud achievement for me, you know. But oh. have, yeah, my mum and I could hardly watch a penalty when I was taking it, you know, and they just heard about their So they were she wasn't the only one that could probably hardly watch the penalty shootout either. But do you think, like, for you, it's almost like a bit of a, a justification? I know hindsight's obviously like a wonderful thing, but when you had that advice as a young kid from, from your granda saying, look, you'll get more opportunities at Aberdeen compared to, say, a Celtic, who obviously you were saying you, you supported, does that kind of vindicate that decision and, and the hard work obviously paying off that you've made your debut and you've gone on to win some silverware as well? Absolutely. I think I, he said that to me after the match. Uh, he's like, I told you, son, it'd be all worth it in the end. And mm-hmm. Because coming from Greenock to Aberdeen and stuff every Sunday was tough. Uh, we had to go to Glasgow and stuff, train three times a week. Obviously, it's still an hour up in our batch. There's a lot of mm-hmm. travel for it. And obviously, in the youth team back then, we used to go to Germany, Ireland, tournaments and stuff. And my family wasn't obviously minted and stuff, and they were my grander. So he kind of spent a lot of money on me travelling, which I hugely appreciated. So, to give a little back and I gave them my medal and stuff it meant the world to me that's class and you know you said you weren't in, you were raging at being left out of the squad in the quarter final how often were you chapping on the door to be involved in this squad for the final and you know Kami was saying that you were in St Andrews before the final and you, you all got a call so when did you get your call that you'd be in the squad yeah I think when was it was it two nights before or the day before I think it maybe was it the day of the morning? I can't actually. I think it maybe I got mine the day of the game. I think it was late. But I remember me and Big Joe were sharing the room and we were mm-hmm. both was, uh, thinking, oh no, you don't want to be left out. And, uh, I'm sure Joe was left out that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was one of the ones. I was buzzing, but my good mate wasn't. So it was one of the ones. But once the game started and stuff, I was just buzzing, going to on a bus, going to the stadium, and all the fans were there, I'm rocking the bus. It was. <laughs> And that atmosphere I'll never forget. And and how did it feel when you then got the call to, to come on the pitch? Uh, obviously nil nil at the time when you came on. Did you confident you could influence the game? Yeah, I thought it was a, another one. It was, wasn't a great game, and I must mm-hmm. think just have one moment of quality and try and win a game. But I don't know if you remember, but I, I had a free kick and I, I put it over the bar. It was a rubbish free kick. Then I think it was Graham Shinney was bombing down. Uh, our left hand, our right hand side, and I, I think was it me. I smashed them and gave away a kick not far from your goal. Mm-hmm. So if they score here, I'm going to be the most hated man in Aberdeen. <laughs> uh, please, please, and thankfully they missed as well. You know, but 
just been in the game. I can't really remember much of the final, to be honest. I think your adrenaline is just going that much. You just want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, we did that in the end, but it wasn't a game uh, for a neutral to watch anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And like, so it was a very nervy affair for probably those that supported both Aberdeen and, and Cali. And obviously, glad it went the right way. But you, you stepped up uh, against Hollow in the first game. Were you you know, boisterous in your uh, wanting to step up and take a penalty in the final? Yeah, I wanted to take one. As I said previously, I fancy myself usually. So obviously I put my hand up uh, to take a penalty and thankfully it went in. You know, because I think did they miss their first one after Barry yeah. scored? Mm-hmm. But gave us a wee cushion, you know, so boys can up. I can have made it easy for the boys yeah. going there. I was going to say, does that make it easier or harder knowing that the person like Inverness had obviously gone and missed their first one so like you said you did have that little bit of cushion does that play in your mind as you're walking up to the, the penalty spot? Yeah I think it does because you know they've missed so I think right if I score here we've got a great chance now because mm-hmm. if you go in then the boy the next boy for Inverness he's obviously thinking I must score here I'll win a big hole but to be fair we had practiced penalties the week leading up to it and uh, Gaffer had made us do it alright Uh line up at half a line and stuff and walk up so I think it was and it was well I was nervous walking up and training I think, yeah. I, was going up, but I think that was cover from um, mm-hmm. getting the boys used to it you know because yeah. I mean? we done it I think every day that week and I scored every penalty I took so going into a game I was confident I would score and when you're when you're practicing in the lead up are you going the same side every time Mo- mostly every time yeah when I can uh, if I first got a penalty I went that side and I mm. scored, well and scored so I thought I would get a penalty in, that, in the final and stuff and I'm off to her, that's where I'm going, you know. Yeah. But I went to the other side a few times just in case you're hitting better. Sometimes yeah. you're practising, you put it in a specific corner well, so on a Saturday you maybe right, I know where I'm going here. Mm-hmm. I obviously saw the outpouring of emotion from your celebration when the ball hit the back of the net. Was that relief that it did hit the back of the net or was that the realisation that we're, we're getting one step closer to lifting that trophy? No, I think it was, I, I thought, oh, we've got a right chance now I win this. I think that was And I think it was Barry Robson shouting, get freaking back here. Uh, <laughs> boy, and my dream was, I, he's experienced. So mm-hmm. it's just, he was known, it's not done yet. Get yourself back here and see what happens. And then when Adam steps up to take what was obviously the, the winning penalty, what was the what was the feeling like when he was stepping up? And then for you, when you saw that hit the back of the net? That was one of the best days of my life when he had it back in it. Just one of the things you're thinking. When he's got up, you're thinking, go. Mm. He's an he's a good penalty taker. He'd miss the odd one, as everybody does. But you're thinking when he's got a penalty, you fancy him to score. So I was confident then. Then when I hit in it, and everybody's just like, yeah, you see a picture of his face, just all different motions, and we just off we go to the corner. What yeah. a feel. What a feeling and what a night out that um, followed afterwards for, for many a fan, but also many a player as well. Um, I hear the bus journey home was was uh, very enjoyable with karaoke and Barry Robson funding the, the booze run. Were you part of the, the youth players that were just throwing anything and everything into the trolley in that Tesco? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, as I remember, because the gaffer had said, no getting needed drink spirits or something because we had to go back to the OHA. I mean, all the families mm. at the And uh, I think it was, I could be wrong, but I think it was a skip, Russell Anderson. <laughs> he bought my vodka and Jaeger bombs. <laughs> Then all young boys are saying like front of the trolley Baz is paying for it or so the trolley was filled so mm-hmm. cost him a few quid that night but I don't think it would change it and obviously as you said 
everybody had a shot in karaoke. So, no, it was an absolutely brilliant uh, bus journey back up the road. Yeah, and as we spoke about before before recording, you and Joe certainly enjoyed your night um, with the fans out, outside Seoul. Just did that make you kind of realise what, like the sense of achievement you guys had created when you saw how much it meant to the fans that night in, in town celebrating? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, a bigger club and stuff, Aberdeen is anyway, mm-hmm. but when you achieve something big, like win the domestic trophy, and you're out at night and you're seeing thousands and thousands of fans just sitting there, that's what I said to Joe next day, I said, Joe, we're in as police fan, going crazy, and there's just thousands of Aberdeen fans singing ways, and we're starting to start a chance. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I was like, and years to come, you look back, I think, what a, what a couple of nights. Yeah. But it was uh, just what a feeling to bring a trophy home to Aberdeen after I was at 19, 20 years it was. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, far too long anyway. And then even the parade as well, you've seen the kind of iconic pictures now with that bus making its way through the, the crowds down Union Street. What was that like that day for you as a player on the on the open top bus? It was surreal to be honest, because I remember you're leading up to it and you know, you're having obviously the bus parade and people saying, oh, there'll be a few thousand here and stuff and people saying, oh, there'll be well more than that. And people saying, mm-hmm. no, way. then obviously once you get here and this. Union Street just full with Aberdeen supporters just this whole way down you see flags the red jerseys and stuff mm-hmm. it was what a day again yeah no I mean I mean, just what an experience that whole campaign was and still for me the first trophy I've seen Aberdeen lift and hopefully we, we get to see more and don't have to wait as many years um, as we did for, for that that trophy but it also led to um, European football and, and you managed to experience some of that at your time at Aberdeen playing against Dugava Riga you came on away to, to Groningen and, and also you, you got 20 minutes against Real Sociedad which you I don't know if you even managed to touch the ball that night but, but what was that like for you getting to experience European football? It was brilliant. It's obviously something you always want to achieve when you're a young boy, you want to play the European thing. A lot better players than me won't get to even do that. So, mm-hmm. really uh, amazing stuff, obviously. But you're playing against Real Sociedad, so you're usually watching against Barca and Real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> a long night is over there. Obviously, I came on about the last 20 minutes, but I think I did went on the right, come on the right hand side. I did really well. I had a couple of chances at goal. Uh, I had a free kick. I thought it was a penalty at the time. I thought a boy jumped up and hurt his hand, mm-hmm. but looking back, but once I had it, I thought it was in as well because I caught it. But the thing, I think we had, we hoarded it well, but I think the boy scored out of the box. I forget the boy's name, the left-footed boy. He scored a screamer and it was a hard night on for then. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the only time I think Aberdeen have ever played on my birthday. And the only thing I really remember from that trip was just the Northern Lights rendition for the last 20 minutes. Um, they got they got sung in San Sebastian, but just even the experiences of of Groningen and I suppose you know they wrote us off going over there and we put in a brilliant performance to to win two uh, one and yeah just following that up against Sociedad it's a tough opponent but we didn't disgrace ourselves by any means or imagination so I think it's really interesting to see how you as a player found that experience as well. Yeah, it was brilliant, especially was it the first game at uh, Petodre against Groningen was nothing mm-hmm. each. And mm-hmm. they directed us after the match and stuff and said they were 99% through in the next round and stuff. Did that get it's, talked about much in the changing room, that comment? It got pinned up. Did it? Their, yeah, I was pinned up in the changing room. And uh, I think that railed a few of us, to be honest, because that's really disrespectful. Even uh, playing domestic and stuff, if you're playing against 
a league two team here and you're expected to beat them, you still don't go and say stuff like that because mm-hmm. that will come back to bite you. Uh, and it's just been disrespectful. So kind of, we went out with him and scored two goals in quick succession. And after that, we really seen the game out brilliantly, defending mm-hmm. brilliantly. It was happy to get it right up then for that. <laughs> no, definitely. Unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out for you, Aberdeen, much more after after that season and your, your time came to an end. And you, you moved on to Dundee in search of, of first-team football and um, before joining Derry over in Ireland. Were you disappointed in leaving Aberdeen in, in the first instance? And then also, what made you choose going over to, to Ireland um, to play for Derry? Yeah, when I was leaving Aberdeen, I got offered another deal. But uh, I spoke to Dale and stuff and he said, listen, I'm going to be honest, because me and him, we still got on now, still keeping contact. He said, I'm going to be honest with you, it could be the same again, like a few games here and there. Mm. Squad, basically. So nothing was going to change. And I just thought, you know what? I'm at age where I need to be playing. And I thought it's a great chance to go to Dundee and play. So I signed a three-year deal and I was buzzing to get going. Then in pre-season against Rafe Overs, I picked up an injury and we couldn't find the I couldn't get a bobbly up we were getting scans and stuff and nothing was coming up and Hartley was saying to me play with stakes in your foot like where I felt where pressure was and okay. stuff it was he's like I've done it before so I was getting I played a few games okay and I, and I got to the stage I could hardly walk couldn't even kick a ball mm-hmm. uh, and I ended up finding that I had a, a Achilles injury I had to get and after that I got the operation and stuff come back then I kept breaking down with my groin and stuff mm-hmm. so every wrong it did could it did go wrong sorry uh, mm-hmm. kind of fell out of picture there because I was injured a lot and that happens at football so I, I wanted to go on loan I said to my agent who do we know I want something different I could have went to the championship and played there at the time but I thought no I need a change mm-hmm. he said well, she's at Derry and he'll play attractive football where you want to play mm-hmm. and I said listen I think Nick is available for loan he said yes get him over in the next flight that was us. And, and you seem to enjoy your time over there. Um, I think, did, did you still continue to have a bit of injury trouble over there? But the fans certainly bought into your style of play. Yeah, uh, I saw a wee bit of problem with my groin at the time for leaving Dundee. Uh, I got a few injections and stuff. Uh, but I managed to play quite a lot. Then the second season, I had a hernia. Uh, uh, so it was a, a bugger. But the games I played over there, I did really well. And the fans took to me. And uh, I loved my time there. Uh, I only moved back home because I had a bus pipe in my house when it was snowing and my, I was left with beams. My whole house collapsed, all my roofs and oh. stuff. So uh, that's how I'm, I came back home, you know. And and I suppose, the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's strange how these things end up working out and it's a shame that that's, that's what caused you to move back home. But how would you have compared Irish football to, to Scottish Premiership football? Are they of similar level? I think at a time when I was there, when Doc, been doctoring through a transition transition period here mm. just now. But when I was first went over there in Dock, I would say the Shamrock Rovers yeah, at that time and maybe Cork uh, could play as well in a premiership here. Mm. It's the like championship standard. The second season too, I would say it's like a championship. Mm. Uh, that's what I would say. Yeah. Some good clubs over there, but not many people know about Irish football, but some a lot of good players obviously I played with Alan McEnath who went to Shamrock Rovers then he signed for Hearts there mm-hmm. so it's good players over there but it's a good league it's more in Scottish football it's a lot of long balls a lot of second second balls a mm-hmm. lot of fighting over in the League of Ireland it's more passing the ball it's, uh, it's a lot more football played which suited me 
Yeah, well, it's, it's good that it was uh, something that suited your game. Obviously, you, you moved back to back to Scotland. How did the the move to East Stirlingshire come about? Was that just your desire to? Because I was reading an article. Was you, did you kind of fall out of love with the game at one point? Yeah, uh, I nearly quit. Obviously, a few times, but I well, I was hating it because I was always injured and stuff. I couldn't train. I was just basically playing games in it, and you don't feel good when you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in so much pain. When my groin was at its worst, I would play a Saturday and I wouldn't go to bed till Monday. I was in that much pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I doing with this? Uh, so I went, I was back, when I came back for Derry, obviously at summer football, so my contract was up mm-hmm. in January here. So I was in training with Morton because obviously it's locally, mm-hmm. uh, the manager. And he offered me, a, I was in training and uh, I was doing really well when I got offered the contract, but the money was wasn't great and I, I couldn't pay my bills if I'd signed mm-hmm. for that. I'd have loved to have signed. Uh, so I said, I'm sorry, I can't. And Gaz Naismith phoned me who I played with at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. He was a manager. I said, you fancy coming up and have a wee look at us and we'll have a look at you see what kind of state I finish you're in. And I went up and after like the first day or two days, he offered me a contract. Uh, and thankfully, I signed that. It started really well. I think we'd win seven out of eight games. Mm-hmm. I would I did Kai Jacobs is now Morton Caps and we're doing really well. Then I got injured again and in the games I'd played, everybody was sort of saying, Oh, how good am I? Queen how fans were loving me. Mm. And then my groin kicked in again and I missed the next 12, 13 league games, whatever it was. And that was me. So after that, I'd said, I, I'm going to retire. Mm. I had in my, I might have come back for the last couple of games, but I should have never played because I wasn't fit. I wasn't helping the team or myself. So, I said to him, I said, that's me, I think my time's up. And yeah, mm-hmm. because I'm football daft, I love football. I'm good yeah. at nothing else but the football based stuff. So yeah. uh, I was sitting in the house and I think Mark Muller, who I know from here, he was uh, well, I was at the time, I think he was going to East Ireland. He'd spoke to him saying, Oh, listen, I think Nicky Lowe's maybe thinking of going part time or chucking it, I'm not sure. If he's wanting to mm-hmm. get my phone. So I thought, well, part time is maybe less uh, strain on my body. Mm-hmm. So, them. I said, they said come up have a look went up signed and stuff thankfully touch wood since then the last couple of years I've not had any injuries you know mm-hmm. so obviously my body so I don't know if my groin's better now or if I went full time again I would it's be sore mm-hmm. I'd be agony now I'm not I feel fine uh, so God knows what can happen in the future but I'm really enjoying my football just now I'm broke and I feel so I'm doing really well yeah, and, and I suppose during those times where it is really tough for you and you're going through the kind of injury hell, if, if it's fair to call it that, uh, how how crucial for you was that support network of your, your family and your friends in, in keeping you motivated? It was massive. Uh, I used to, when I was injured a lot, I used to come back and drink a Saturday and stuff through to Sundays and mm. my mates were like, need to stop it, get going again, but when that's all you know is football when you can't play or train it's I was so sad at the time I was depressed and stuff mm-hmm. and my wife Natalie she was amazing for me uh, kept me going and stuff because there's a lot of dark days uh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean but thankfully everything's all good now and I um, feel so I'm making up for lost cause the last few years of injury hell yeah and, and you know you certainly are you said you know you're playing your football at our growth and our growth are, are, are flying just now we're we're recording this at the, the start of the international break and our broker going into you only lost it to Inverness in 
um, the opening day of the season. But what was that like getting that call from Dick Campbell? You you touched on earlier in the episode. You you played under him at four for previously. Was that an easy decision for you to go and join our growth? Or obviously, it's a bit of a long commute for for, for match days anyway. Yeah, it was. Once be fair, when I was at East Island, and if it always stopped, so it was an easy when it. He phoned me and I didn't have his number saved. Obviously, I had a new number since yeah. And then I went, yeah, we, I'm so-and-so, yeah. yeah. I need you to come and do me a favour for five or six weeks. And to be fair, at the start, he was honest. He's like, listen, Nicky, you won't play. You've not played in months. You're not going to be match fit. Uh, you may be not play at all. He's like, but mm-hmm. I need you. You'd be good at changing him and stuff because he was a character. And the uh, first game we went up, it was actually in Merness. Uh, I'd only signed on the first day, so I didn't meet the boys. Mm-hmm. Managed to he put me on the last 10 12 minutes, I think it was. I did reasonably okay in that game. Then I must have shown up well on the Monday, Wednesday training. Mm-hmm. Then I went the starting team against Aloha Saturday. I set up a goal, did really well. Then I played every minute after that, you know. So it was a, it was an easy call to make, especially when it's Dick Campbell calling. <laughs> yeah, you don't say no to him. And uh, have you been on the end of any bollocking so far this season? So far, uh, well. I missed a penalty down the air, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm using decent penalties, but yeah. I, I didn't. I tried to just put it in the tap corner and hit the bar. Uh, so it would at me after the game for that. Uh, but thankfully, I'm playing well. So I'm not really had any hair dryer treatment just now. But it's still, still early in the season. And, and you know, you know, maybe some people underestimate our growth and what they're, they're capable of doing um, domestically. And I think you guys showed what the potential is there in the League Cup. You know, you ran St Johnston all the way. Uh, you took them to penalties. Did you feel you were unlucky that day? Certainly. We should have won a game, to be honest. We should have went through, uh, mm. in my opinion, and a lot of others. Uh, we should have definitely went through. And uh, their second goal came from, it should have been a foul on our right back. I think Big Sean only came up front in the last 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the defender got in front of him. And as he's got in front of him, Sean's pushed him. Mm-hmm. And he felt it broke for a corner and they scored from that. So we felt a bit hard done by, but as football, these things go for you and hang. But I think on the day, we did enough to go through. I think you could tell St. Johnson had played in Europe on the first mm-hmm. day, which obviously helped us, no qualms about it. Yeah. But we were disappointed. Uh, we couldn't see it through, you know, but credit St. Johnson. They managed to come back and win. But obviously, as you said, only defeat in the league is Inverness' first game. And we mm-hmm. should have never that game it was a mistake from a young boy in our team which happens mm-hmm. uh, but with a lot of ball we just couldn't uh, cut an edge to break MLS down uh, so we're doing alright you know yeah and you know like I said to you I suppose the result that really kind of perked my ears in terms of the championship so far this season was that that win that you guys had over over Park Thistle you scored your first goal for our growth in that game and it was a 3-1 win and you know people were fancy in Park Thistle maybe for, for the league um, and they'd started well but you know that result it's not you know just oh you've just edged the 1-0 you know it was it was comprehensive and then to follow that up again on Saturday with a 3-0 win over Dunfermline who yes maybe have started the season poorly but they've spent big to strengthen their squad it's a bit of a doing. I'll I'll say that you know you you might want to if if you agree. But you know you've got uh, McKenna there in midfield. You know he's fairly banging them in just now as well. Yeah, I think Mikey's flying just now, which helps when you've got someone on form. Him and Big Jonah will have uh, 
got a partnership is working really well just now. Fighting for us, it's there's scoring plenty of goals and setting up goals. But as you said, against Partick, first half was we scored an own goal. We keep a saved it. It came back and hit a boy coming in the net. Lucky again. But so first half we weren't great to be honest. We got a rollicking from McGaffer. We came out the traps flying second half. And to be honest, as you said, it came five or six on a day. Don't think would argue that. Uh, we got our first goal and then after that we just kind of battered them you know obviously mm-hmm. Patrick it was going to be a tough they're a, a top team with a top management staff mm-hmm. uh, they'll have ambitions of going back up to the Premiership to be honest uh, so we kicked on there then we obviously went to them filming on Saturday East End Park and we put in a really good showing and thankfully we went away with three points and another day could have been more but they could have scored a few goals ourselves you know so mm-hmm. three points away at them filming and uh, a clean sheet not many people do that this season going there yeah it's a good Saturday's work and I suppose what what would you see as a good season for our growth this season are your hopes to to get into the playoffs this season I think being the only part time team in that league is a the first aim is to stay up you know mm. I think what Gaffer has done is build a squad which can progress each year since going up to the championship and I think he's doing that uh, I think our bro fans are saying it's obviously a golden year for the club, probably most successful in their history. Uh, mm-hmm. We're up there competing on merit, you know. We're not just up there to make up numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't quite get the credit we, we deserve at times, which mm-hmm. is something not a bad thing because then you get marked, you know. I think maybe people want to take us lightly on a Saturday. Happy days for us, you know. But yeah. I think we're a top team. When we're at it, I think we're a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, long may it continue, you know, but it's a hard the championship is one of these leagues where if you turn up Saturday play well you've got a good chance of three points and if you're not at it you could get hammered because mm-hmm. everybody can beat you know yeah. as you've seen look results maybe already mm-hmm. the league and that's what happens in this league so no the championship's a good standard as well so we just need to keep week by week and see where it takes us coming this season but we want to just don't run, like, linger a out of Botman you want to have some ambitions so as a player I would love to make a playoffs with our growth and, and anything can happen after that you know but mm-hmm. it's a long so, yeah it's a long season anything can happen and do you think as well like home advantage for a team like our growth comes into it you know you speak about certain teams have benefit from home advantage our growth probably one of the coldest grounds to watch um, to, to watch football in Scotland that the wind coming in off the North Sea do you feel that as a player? Thankfully, I've not had that yet. I was having joined the Lonely Awards in the last season and it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Then so far, decent. So I've been saying to them, oh, where's this wind? But obviously, I played reserve games there for Aberdeen stuff yeah. and played for the Aberdeen first team. So I heard, I've seen how bad it can be, sorry, and I've not really put up with Arbroath yet. But mm-hmm. hey, boys, guys, and if you're a team who want to pass the ball, be all nice and fancy and stuff, if you're coming to Arbroath in December, January in the winter and want to play and we're smashing into your tackles and stuff down your face, it's not a good thing, you know. So mm. I think it's such a good uh, home home history, you know. The last couple of years, home no, been definitely. And you said you, um, you know, you played there for the like Aberdeen reserves. The, as I said, we're recording this at the start of the international break. Unfortunately, you don't get the weekend off. Um, coming up, you're taking on what is the Aberdeen class as Aberdeen under 21 side, but I think it's more 16, 17 year olds managed by um, your former teammate Barry Robson. And it's the Challenge Cup or whatever they've renamed it for this season. Are you looking forward to that game and, and meeting up with Barry as well? 
yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, going back to old Stompton ground, it'll be good. It'll be good to see a few old faces. It'll be good to see Barry. I seen him scouting us, uh, Patrick Fiscal, when I was doing my warm up. I'm sure yeah. I seen him uh, stands last week. So, everybody's <laughs> pen ready to go. But no, it'll be good to see him. No, it'll be good. And it'll be, I suppose, for, for a team like our growth, how does like a championship team view that cup competition? Is it a, a serious competition for you guys in terms of winning silverware? To be fair, we've not really spoke about it. Uh, but we obviously go to training and stuff, and we'll start next game, so you don't want to look ahead of yourself. But I'm sure the gaffer will want to do well in this competition. Obviously, we're doing well when we're winning a few games in a row. So I don't know how. There's lots of good players on our, line, on our bench, like Bobby Lang and stuff, Gavin Dale Wilson and stuff. We've got really. Ah, bro, the best thing I think about us is what. Uh, team spirit and stuff we're a very close-knit group you know so I don't know why Gaffer want to give a few boys minutes or they want to keep the same team it's winning just now uh, but you'll give full respect to Aberdeen you know because obviously as you said it's an under-21 uh, playing against us mm-hmm. No definitely it's um, it'll be an interesting one to see how that develops um, over the, the course of the weekend but I'm sure obviously you'll be giving it all to, to get the right result for our growth even though you might still have a soft spot for Aberdeen. Do you still do you still look out for our results from yeah. now? Every week I still do. I, I love the club because I was there, I think, since I was about eight until early twenties. So you spend that lot of time at a club, you know, I lived in a city for ages. I still I, I love the club. Obviously, at the start you don't when I'm obviously a young boy, you don't know much about the club and you read into the history by your and stuff. So no, I I've I love my time and I'm treated well up there so when I was up there so no I always have a place in my heart and I always check every week and I watch all the games when I can you know I watched uh, European games there as well on uh, Red TV so no I always watch out for results No it's uh, great to hear and you know Nicky it's been a pleasure chatting to you today and for you to give up your an hour of your afternoon to, to join us on Red Tinted Glasses thank you very much for your time No problem thanks I've enjoyed it and all the best to use for the rest of the season yeah and all the best to you and our growth and hopefully you continue to stay fit and um, things go well our growth spot on top man I appreciate it yeah thank you very much well thank you very much for tuning into that episode of Red Tin and Glasses with Nikki Lowe I hope you all enjoyed the chat and of course if you did remember to hit that like button and subscribe for more content and if you did enjoy that chat and want to hear more of our interviews with former players Scroll back through the archives to hear chats with Richie Byrne, Jamie Smith, Steve Tosh, Cammy Smith and Arold Stavrum. And of course, our most popular player interview to date was, of course, Jack Grimmer as well. So if you want to hear any of those, feel free to, to search them up. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>